Hey guys and welcome aboard. Yes, revolutions from your bed. This is a subject that matters to me very much since um, it's the one got me here actually to this stage or studio. Um, some of you know my story. Some of you listened to the trailer. Some of you haven't. Uh, I'm just going to make a short abbreviation of the previous events for you. Um, in the age of 22, a few weeks before starting medical school, I was stricken by a severe illness. And basically, um, after being admitted to a hospital for a week, remained bedridden uh, for several years. Uh, and I got completely disabled rendering me um, unable to work or function in a normal society. And basically, I had to spend almost one-third of my life in bed. Yes, I spent almost nine years of my life completely bedridden or completely uh, disabled to a fact I cannot work, I cannot maintain normal uh, relationship, um, to make a, a normal income, um, or to feel the worth of uh, a member of society. And I think this this is the hardest point here that many of us patients feel that when we are in the midst of our illness, we tend to feel that we're not worthy. But in this series, I'm going to talk about a lot of how can we actually regain this self-confidence and not only be valuable to ourselves, but be valuable to society and make a revolution from our own bed, first of all, and first and foremost, for our own benefit and sake. And second of all, um, to the sake of society, to change things that disturb us uh, around us and also to change things that uh, maybe globally disturb us. And... I'm not taking it lightly, calling this podcast or calling my book or calling my talk uh, how to start a revolution from your bed because I actually had to start my own revolution from my bed and it wasn't easy. Basically, I had to diagnose myself, design my own rehabilitation program, teach myself how to walk, and go back into being a functional um, young man that is able to work, able to study, able to maintain normal relationships with friends, family, and loved ones um, romantically. And also to be not only creative, but very entrepreneurial, starting uh, se several companies, few charities, a few projects that won awards and uh, impacted a lot of people and I'm very proud to say it and it was hard for me to, to actually start this podcast because um, I think I'm kind of modest and I don't like to brag but every time I speak publicly people come to me and mainly patients of chronic illness uh, whether if they're undiagnosed yet or post-diagnosis and they're struggling and they all tell me the same thing that something in this talk or the engagement with me changed them because of my story, because of the way I treated myself, the way I designed my own um, 
little revolution from my bed, my rehabilitation program. And I think that what's unique about the feedback I get is that we all share the same resourcefulness and we all share the same secret weapons, this uh, ability to maintain ourselves under uncertainty, our resourcefulness, our um, integrity, um, and basically all these forces that we have within that we read about and we watch TED Talks about those people that only when they had the cancer or um, a debilitating accident or a loss of a loved one, they kind of start living again or start living <laughs> in, in general. And I think that if you map it out, it's not secret anymore. It's not a secret weapon. And these tools, these resources, this resourcefulness, this uh, ability to get back on our feet and, and become like phoenixes rising up from the ashes is something that we all share as humans. It's probably innate in us as humans. And I think that, of course, education play a role and society play a role and culture play a role, whether you speak up or not. But first of all, speaking up for yourself is something that we all must do in every stage of our life, basically. And I think that what I'm going to engage in the next few episodes is basically how do we map our needs? How do we discover what bothers us? Because I'm sure that many of you who listen right now don't have chronic illness or don't have anything dramatic happening in their life and rather just the willingness to make a small revolution in their own life and life of other people. So I think that basically the fact that we all share the same resourcefulness and uh, the, the, the same tools, we can actually speak in the same language, in the same terms to all of you, whether if you're a patient, a doctor, um, a millennial, uh, a student, um, a retiree, a veteran, everybody who wants to make a small revolution in his own life, I think um, it's, the, it's the right place to listen to. Um, not because I'm this kind of coach that um, charge a lot of money per session and I want people to pay me, rather because I lost one third of my life of staying in my sick bed. And basically all I'm trying to do since I got better is to get people out of their own sick bed, out of their own bed, out of their own areas or zones of comfort. And I think that we all share the same resourcefulness and we can all uh, basically benefit from it. But today, in this short episode, I want to start by talking about um, why do we need to revolutionize our own life? And is being in a comfort zone really that bad? And yes, I think that we people that are um, having this first world problem of needing to kind of revolutionize something that it's already working, you know, we have some income, um, we have a shelter, we have electricity, everything is perfect, we have healthcare systems, um, we can basically uh, live our life very conveniently, just going to school, then going to college, and, um, you know, get married, have kids, and, and live our life like this, but 
I hear more and more and more people who are just fed up with their own life because they're not connected to their inner parts that speaks their truth. And it's very hard for me as somebody who spent, I'm not saying wasted, but spent so many years lying in bed to look at other people and see, wow, you can climb upstairs. You can get up and sit up in your bed and actually get up and walk. And you can pick up stuff from the supermarket and you can go to work and you can hug your loved one. You can hold your child. You can walk your dog. Why are you complaining when other people don't have the same richness that you have? But after a few years of being kind of angry, angry at my physicians, angry at the system, angry at everybody who didn't uh, treat me right as a patient, I realized that everybody is acting the same. It's very easy to fall to this comfort zone or, or, or fall between the cracks or fall into this automated life. You know, there's a lot of technologies today trying to automate our lives. But basically, if we take a kind of closer look, our lives are already pretty automated. We have the same structures, same expectations from societies. And most of us will fall to this path because... Um, we don't have other choice. We have this conveyor belt of society dragging us along the line of you go to school, you go to college, you go to work, and then you're being pressured to find someone, get married, have children. And um, it's interesting to me because when I ask my friends who are around 30 years old or more, if they even thought about whether they should marry or whether they should have children, or did they even think about going to college or not, and the answers are 95%. No, of course not. That's what I'm expected to do. My family wants me to do it. Society wants me to do it. All my friends are going to college. All my friends are getting married. I'm actually happy being single for now, but no, I'm already 35. I'm not going to, uh, to stay an old single guy or girl. And when I looked at life from kind of the bottom, looking up or looking out at the world through social media, or through um, listening to stories of friends when I was very, very sick, I realized that actually I'm the liberated one. I'm the one that has no shackles. I'm lying in bed. Somebody's taking care that uh, I'm fed at least when I can eat. And somebody's taking care into my medical, humane, basic needs. And my mind is free to roam around adventures and books and education and creativity and those years those nine years would actually kind of sound strange but maybe the most creative years of my life because nobody expected me as a chronically ill person and before that as an undiagnosed person gravely ill nobody expected me to actually be productive so what i'm trying to emphasize and what i'm trying to implement in my daily life today is that those same unexpectation or non-expectation are applying to me too. This is the reason why I moved to another country when I was 36 years old. And this is the reason when I'm trying to live my life in a bit of a different way than other people. I'm trying to live the same freedom life that I had lying in bed, but while being healthy, healthier at least, and trying to maintain my health, trying to do self-development. So I think that 
our comfort zones are not about having a comfort, convenient job or uh, a relationship or uh, some cushion around us. This is not what I'm calling a comfort zone. I'm calling comfort zone any place that make you don't move ahead in terms of growth. If you're feeling you're not growing, if you're feeling wear down, if you're feeling burned out, if you're feeling fatigued, and, and even if you're completely healthy, we'll talk about the fact that no one is healthy today, basically, but if you, even if you're feeling completely healthy, I don't see a reason if you're feeling that you're not growing every year, every month, or some people every week. I'm not seeing any reason why not changing it. Yes, and you can buy a bestseller book and read it. Yes, and you can go to a lecture or watch some TED Talks. But eventually, if you're not changing stuff that are bothering you, first of all, in your own life and then in other people's life, I think that you're wasting an amazing opportunity that we have in this generation because our parents and grandparents' generation, basically, they had to go to college if they can afford college, if they could, and then work their entire life until retirement, maybe 40 years or 30 years in the same place and just take care of the kids and take care of the family and you know, being abroad a few times in their life, maybe, uh, or, or seeing uh, other places or, or doing stuff for themselves, other the occasional movie or theater play or concert or whatever. And we are this spoiled generation that can engage so much of their time in self-development, but yet we don't do it. Yes, of course, we have the online courses and we have the TED Talks and we have all the books and all the podcasts in the world, but I don't see a lot of people walk the walk and not doing the talk. I've been approached by hundreds of people in the last 10 years uh, wanting to change their life, willing to change their life. And it's basically all the same. I want to, but I'm too lazy to do it or I don't have an incentive. So the thing I'm going to talk about is basically hitting rock bottom and um, a lot of things I'm going to talk about in this series of podcasts is derived of two main people who affected me while I was lying in bed. The first one is uh, the amazing Dr. Viktor Frankl, who, were, uh, who was a prisoner in Auschwitz. Um, he was a, a neurologist, a psychiatrist uh, in Vienna. Funnily enough, uh, life is closing circles for us. Um, because I'm living in Vienna today. And Viktor Frankl was a, a Jewish person, Viennese, who devoted his life to help others, but he did a lot of research. And he was living during the Second World War, and he was um, taken to Auschwitz. And there he noticed something very strange. Um, some people were surviving um, the time as prisoners, if, of course, nobody shot them or gassed them, I'm afraid. Um, um, I'm Jewish too, and my family, part of it, is a Holocaust survivor, and it's a tough topic to talk about. But those people there were starved to death, was uh, disease-stricken without treatment. But if nobody shot you or killed you, some people, no matter if they arrived to the camp in better physical uh, situation or physique, they tend to die, and some people, weaker looking, they tend to live more uh, or longer. And what he found out in his little study he conducted is that those people who survived usually share the, share the same common thing. Those people had a willingness or something 
to live for. They had a will to survive so they could bear the how and the what. And usually it was, my loved one is waiting for me outside. I have to find my family when I get out. I need to uh, win this for my people. I need to um, get back to my children. But people had reasons. And if they convinced themselves they had reasons to live, a lot of them actually survived. So Viktor Frankl went on and developed uh, um, a psychotherapy uh, methodology called logotherapy, basically based on finding meaning for life and finding reason and taking responsibility over our own life. And we're, we're going to devote an entire episode for this. And the second amazing person is Anthony Nemalo. He was a clinical psychologist, uh, an Indian clinical psychologist, but he, he was also actually a um, Jesuit bishop. He was a priest. And everything he did was to combine his scripture learning uh, um, and meta-thinking and philosophies into modern clinical psychology, active in the 80s and uh, uh, 70s and 80s mainly, uh, in New York and in other regions in the world. He actually combined those two learnings into a really practical coaching system um, that is very similar to what Frankel is, uh, has done, just to wake people up. His awakening seminars were world-renowned, and basically he convinced people that they need a reason uh, uh, to live as well. And he was talking a lot about hitting rock bottom. And for me, after lying in bed for years without getting diagnosis, um, I had to reach a moment in which I'm reaching rock bottom. And when I reached rock bottom and I was sick of my sickness and sick of my illness, I was not physically sick, but also mentally, I had enough. Those comfort zones tend to serve us in many, many ways. And I was cushioned to the fact that I didn't want to live bad, but only when I got to a moment in which I couldn't function to the fact that I'm not even able to go to the bathroom by myself, I realized that reaching this bottom of the pit was what I needed because for years illness served me. And it's funnily enough, because we know now about chronic illness remissions, I had a few remissions that for a few weeks during a year, sometimes I could actually leave bed and I was picked up by friends and joined them for dinners and restaurants sometimes and so on. So I remember this time that for almost two months, for like a few weeks, I could go out with friends. I was pale. I was weighing less than 60 kilo kilograms, but I was so happy that I could go out. And uh, actually I was even pursued by a couple of um, girls back then and I, I thought to myself wow this is lovely I'm sick and people care for me people tend to me my family my friends this is great and even girls like me even if I'm that sick I don't have to work I don't have to do anything and it's too scary out there in this scary world that everybody needs to enter this conveyor belt and sit on it and move through life and I can postpone it maybe and when I reach my rock bottom, and I'm going to tell my story more in, in, in thorough uh, um, manner next time, I realized that the change must come from within. And I have to find the reason to live. And I have to find 
the reason not only to live, but the reason that justifies me going through this crazy hurdle of getting better and teaching myself how to walk again and actually going back to life, developing a responsibility, taking over my own life, responsibility, taking, uh, uh, taking this responsibility not only over my own life, but over things that bothered me. And for me, it was the way patients are being treated throughout the world uh, and throughout the educational system around the world and the paternalism in healthcare and the loneliness of patients and also emergency care was always something I was fascinated about because uh, I was volunteering as, a, as an EMT uh, before I got sick. Um, so I wanted to tackle those subjects and those subjects actually helped me to get better. And only after reaching rock bottom, realizing that this comfort zone is too comfy and I want to do something else, but not only for, for myself, but for other people, then I could actually start to map my own problem. I could actually design my own rehabilitation program to do this roadmap for healing, to treat myself like my own startup, like my own project, and to start my own revolution from my bed. First of all, the first revolution to get out of bed. Second revolution is to get better and to learn how to walk again, learn how to talk again, because I couldn't speak for more than 10 seconds. I would actually faint. I didn't have enough air for that. I couldn't move my head tilted in bed, I would faint. So first revolution to get better enough to get out of bed, then to get better enough to, to be strong enough to leave home, then to find a purpose, to go into some sort of program that can help me rehabilitate myself and later on uh, to college, starting my own company, starting my own charities, bringing TEDx to the Israeli academia, um, speaking at TEDx, um, starting a few startups and, and later on becoming even the first ever chief patient or patient in residence for a national health organization. So this little revolution was based on the fact that I needed to hit rock bottom. I needed to take responsibility and revolutionize my life. And what we're going to talk about in the next few episodes is actually how do we induce this rock bottom? How do we um, design our own mini revolution? How do we find our passion zones? Um, what's interest us? What's bother us? What annoys us when we open the news website or TV or whatever news outlet that you might use or social media for the case? What annoys me enough that I care about? Like, look at Greta, what she did when she was 15, 16. Like, if you care about something enough, you can change the world. One person can really change the world. Look at Gandhi, look at Greta, look at amazing other people. And I will talk about these subjects in each episode. In some episode, I'm going to um, host, interview, or um, bring recordings from the world's leading experts and um, basically best entrepreneurs, best people from business from medicine, from other fields, um, close friends of mine and new friends of mine that actually revolutionize their lives, revolutionize other people's lives. And we are going to talk about a lot of inspiring people, inspiring moments and inspiring incentives to start your own revolution, 
from your bed and from your own comfort zone into other people's life. And this episode is a bit shorter because I wanted to introduce what we're going to talk about. But I want to stress that everything that I'm talking about is based on my own revolution and my own finding. Uh, I'm not going to give any medical advice, even though I have an extensive medical knowledge and education. I'm not going to give you patients anything that might conflict with your uh, professional uh, advice. Uh, I'm not going to give any professional uh, psychological advice because I'm not a psychotherapist. But I do uh, going to talk about from my own experience, revolutionizing my own life and maybe others, talking about how you can change your life, how you can get better, how you can feel more meaningful and how you can do better and grow. Thank you so much for joining me today in this first episode. I'm super excited. And if you haven't listened to our trailer, uh, it's short, it's around eight minutes. And I really recommend to listen to it. It's going to be um, um, the abbreviation of my life story. And in the links here, you, go, you can find my TEDx talk. You can find um, materials about me, stories about me if you want to learn more Um And if you want to contact me, feel free to uh, ping me in any social media listed below uh, or uh, on my website. It's roy.sternin.com or roy.sternin.com. Feel free to comment uh, and have a wonderful continue of the day and the week. uh, And I see you soon. Thank you.